1: Time, it's time T- Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't
0: find anywhere else here's former super bowl winning scout brian broadis and bobby belt 10 5 victory cowboys win this is love of the, the star. 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 star star welcome to the love of the star podcast uh very somber love of the star podcast i'm bobby belt Dallas was insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys. Joined, as always, by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout. He is now co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. And he is the pregame and postgame co-host for the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And uh, during the preseason, he's even a radio color analyst. Uh, Brian, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well, Robert. Uh, You are right. A little bit of a somber day across Cowboys Nation. And, you know, we kind of felt last week going into this game, it would not going to be an easy game. And we were worried or had concerns about Green Bay really kind of backed into a corner. Uh, They were going to run the football. You knew they were going to have to try. My guys in Green Bay were telling me they're like, I don't know if we'll try and run the ball, but then today they all called me and told me, well, you were right. Uh, we ran the football. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, a little bit of a day where, you know, you you move on in the NFL. Mike McCarthy, very disappointed today, I felt like. In oh, yeah. The remarks, uh, you know, after the game yesterday, disappointed. I felt like today there was a little bit more of that uh disappointment that, that he had a great opportunity to beat the Packers. And I know that game would have been – Very, very important to him and very important to his team, uh, you know, considering what's going on right now in, uh, you know, in the NFC East and uh, in the NFC in general.
0: Yeah, and look, I think that, man, there are a million takeaways I think you can have from this game. Uh, Let's see, what direction do we want to go with this first? Let's go with the quarterback first. Okay. Um, I, I think that this is a very frustrating game from Dak Prescott. Because there were there were moments, particularly in the third quarter, where you saw what what I, I think we we expect from Dak Prescott and and what the Cowboys expect from Dak Prescott when they made him a $40 million quarterback. And then there are moments in there where it's just like what's what's happening? What is he seeing? What is the receiver seeing? I, I'm curious. Let's go with the two interceptions. Uh I, I know that when Mike McCarthy explained it today, he said the first interception felt like the concept they were trying to run was maybe they were kind of on the the very edge of where that concept can work in terms of field to play, which we've talked about before. One of the criticisms around the league or one of the thoughts around the league about Kellen Moore is he has trouble with creativity when things get tight. And, you know, that may be a factor in that things got a little tight and he called something that doesn't necessarily fit into to, you know, the amount of space that you have to work with. Uh, the second one, and and I know Dak Prescott mentioned apparently Dalton Schultz slipped a little bit. That may have thrown some things off. The second interception. It sounds like the the message from within the Cowboys is that CD Lamb and CeeDee Lamb sure. uh, read it incorrectly. Um, that that it was safety in the middle of the field, and that should have been across the face of the safety. Don't you know? Not not up the seam. So, uh, Brian, your thought on those two interceptions, and and just in general, I guess how Dak Prescott played.
1: Yeah, unfortunately for the first interception, they were going to the previous play, they were going to run a screen pass and they had it set up with Malik Davis in the backfield. And this is where you maybe miss having Zeke or even Tony Pollard to run this play. And maybe the design, maybe the design was to fool them with Malik being in the game, but they fake the screen to the left. CD lamb tries to sell it. They put blockers that way, commit blockers that way. And they really didn't draw the Packers completely to the left side of the offense. So they're going to try and fake the screen left and they're going to try and bring Malik Davis out the right, out the back door. And Malik gets bumped around, he gets caught in trash. And so now Dak Prescott's forced to run with the football instead of throwing it out of bounds. uh, You know, he runs, he gets a minus one. And now the Cowboys are third and 11 on the play. And so here's a play that could have likely worked, but you have a back that doesn't play all the time. You know, he doesn't have that feel for how to get in screen path or, you know, where to be. And and all of a sudden it turns into kind of a, a muddled up, messed up play. And now they're forced to kind of force a ball on third and one, where maybe they catch the screen. Uh, they maybe score on a red zone screen, or maybe they get the ball down inside the three or four yard line. And then you're running the football, you know, you're trying to run it in at that point. So that just shows you sometimes that, when plays work, it's brilliance. When they don't work, it sets up to potentially another bad play. And right. I'll tell you this, Bobby. I'm willing to bet uh, my paycheck that we get for doing this uh, broadcast. Uh, yeah. We do get we do get paid, Bobby. Trust me, we get paid. <laughs> um, I, I'm willing to bet my paycheck that every time that the Cowboys ran that play where with with CD and with Dalton Schultz, they scored every single time in practice. it, it they, they probably got the separation. They didn't get the clutter. Everybody stayed apart away from each yeah. other. So there wouldn't get tied up or nobody would get hurt, but it, they probably ran that play two or three times during practice. And it probably every time worked for a touchdown. And then you get into a game and it's a little bit of a different story. It, it, it wasn't as clean. The brakes weren't as clean. The separation wasn't as clean. And you got a quarterback that's, you know, a lot going on in a in a short area. And now you've got more clutter. And you know, he fires the ball in the middle of clutter. And he probably didn't expect it. Like every time they ran the play in practice, I'm sure they scored a touchdown on it. I'm sure. Yeah. C- I'm sure Ceedee Lamb caught it every single time for a touchdown. Uh, with a practice squad cornerback in trail, not trying to defend the play.
0: Well, hey, we 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 saw what those corners did against the Packers, so I don't blame them for thinking that uh, they they maybe uh, got some false confidence thrown against uh, them during the week.
1: That's that's what happens to you, though, and then the reason I bring up the the fake screen, you know, that's a play that could have led to them not having to throw the ball on third down. So, you know, you, when sometimes. Sometimes things happen during a game that leads to a mistake or a forced, uh, a forced error or unforced error. And, you know, Dak, he, he, you know, he fired that ball in there and there was just a lot of humanity standing in the middle of that, uh, end zone when, uh, when that ball got let go.
0: Yeah. For me, I just looked at it as Dak's got to just, not even try that like I feel like Dak needs to see the congestion in, in the field there and because because it's not something that just kind of came together as he released like those defenders were, were in the area the whole time to me it's just he's got to he's got to know not to try to pull the trigger on that one I, I think that one was greedy the second one the 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 line from McCarthy and I think what you heard Greg Olson say Michael Irvin said it on Twitter I'm sure you saw the same thing when you saw it live that when C.D. Lamb's going up the seam, there's kind of an option there for if it's the if it's the two safeties, you're you're going to bend it sort of for a post. If it's right. safety in the middle of the field, you cut gonna it put that yeah. to a dig essentially uh, right. and cross the face of the safety. Why do you think this is now twice now? C.D. Lamb has read this as he needs to go behind the safety. What what is wrong? What's wrong here? Because to me, I, I I'm guessing you put that one mostly on Lamb. But what's what's going on here?
1: Yeah, that's one of those. Remember Mike McCarthy telling us Bobby in a press conference when they were talking about Kellen Moore early in the year, and Mike mentioned he hates option routes. Yeah, remember that? Yep. He said, "I I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of the option route. I'm a fan of the receivers run the routes. The quarterbacks throw the ball to the open receivers. I'm not a fan of the option route. And it seems like the last two games, the quarterback and the primary wide receiver have read things differently. And that's one of those throws that you make and you're kind of anticipating him being in the middle of the field. And, you know, this is the second time that that's happened. And so now all of a sudden if I'm Mike McCarthy and I'm not a fan of the option routes, I'm telling Kellen Moore, what are we doing here? Why why do we – if I'm sitting down in the staff meeting tomorrow and I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm asking the questions of Kellen Moore – why would we throw that route? Why are we why do we continually have that route in our game plan? Particularly
0: because, with CD.
1: Yeah, the last two weeks we have not read that right. The quarterback has read it wrong, the receiver has read it wrong, and it's led to two really to two turnovers. And so, you know, if you're if you're Kellen Moore, you're like, gosh, I, I can't call that anymore. It just seems like that every time that they throw routes in the middle of the field, that's kind of the, the, the kryptonite for Dak Prescott because it turns into – now, he made a good throw later in the game. I, you know, I'm you not going to say all his throws in the middle have been bad throws, but there's there's been more trouble with those in-breaking inside routes, option routes, whatever you want to call them. There have been a ton of problems with that. So to me, if I'm Kellen Moore and I'm game planning for the Vikings game – Unless something tells me that I have to throw that route that way, I'm surely not going to be – that's not going to be part of my game plan.
0: And when you look at – and you mentioned, you know, they hit that later in overtime. They Uh got the read right in overtime. Um, My argument on this has been – I know we've talked about communication and chemistry and stuff like that. Can you call that communication though? Doesn't that just need to be CD? At least on that one, like CD's just got to read it correctly. Because to me, I think Dak made the right read. He's expecting the receiver to cut in front. That's what the option that's what the route is intended to do. To me, I don't know if that comes down to communications. just CD's got to have better recognition of that. And he, he fixed it in overtime.
1: Promise you, once again, that's a route that's probably run two or three times during the week in practice. And every single time, the look that they get, the safety they tell the safety to hang hang back hang back you know and if it's a hang back situation then that's that's CD Lamb coming across and making a catch
0: how how bad is it though that it happened the exact same route essentially in Chicago how how like why is that not something that would have been a point of emphasis and and corrected for this game
1: well the coaches will always tell you when you watch them set up scout teams they always say okay they're going to play back they're going to play back don't come up you know don't don't freelance don't read it like you would be a real cornerback they're going to show back you know and you're and you sometimes you get a false sense of security of really what the look is you're going to get and both times you caught a free safety driving out of the middle of the field you know where I guarantee you during practice that's that's not the case right it's just not happening And so all of a sudden Dak has a false sense of security that I could throw that ball and CD is going to be in that spot, but that, that that's, that's a play you work on. And and to your point, I don't know why, I don't know why for the last two weeks, they felt like that that's something that they could absolutely hang their hat on as a big play. And as a, you know, I, I don't quite get it. I think if they're after two times, both of them being intercepted where you're throwing the option route to a wide receiver that's not reading it right or the quarterback's not reading it right, I don't think I'd call that play anymore. I, I would no longer have that one on the play card.
0: You know, we we talked a lot, and I know I called you earlier today when we, you know, I mentioned this to you, but, you know, when when you hear all the, the praise for Dennis Houston, who's now on the practice squad, and we heard yeah. that it's oh, well, he's he's where he needs to be. And and we're all just kind of like, that's the overriding thing, though. I mean, he's not, he doesn't show elite traits or anything. Y'all are just worried about where he's going to be. Are we seeing it play out now that it goes, oh, maybe that's why that was a trait Dak liked. Is there just, does he not, feel comfortable that his receivers are where they need to. I mean, last night we see Jalen Tolbert is lined up past the line of scrimmage. He's lined up past the ball. CD's not breaking where he needs to be. I mean, is that, is, is, you know, you've got spacing issues between Dalton Schultz and, and CD lamb. Do you think that is a a factor now? Uh, like, does it, does it clear the picture a little bit now, a little bit more why he seemed to like Dennis Houston as much as he did?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And it just meant that I added about uh, two more million dollars to Odell Beckham's offer is what it meant Um, yeah I mean you know let's let's be honest you know the fourth down play I don't think was a particularly great call and you know Kellen Moore was really I thought did a super job in the Chicago game I thought his first 30 were outstanding and yesterday I thought it was a little bit of a, a rough go for him quarterback wasn't great early but you know play calling can kind of come and go as it's sometimes you just have to fight through the game and, you know, with a 14 point lead, I wish they'd have fought through the game a little bit more, you know, uh, running the football if they could, but maybe that's not having Zeke there too. You know, maybe you can't, if you have both backs there and you got a 14 point lead, maybe you're doing things a little bit differently. Maybe you are running it a little bit more. Maybe you're handing the ball to Zeke for two, three, four yards to shot and then bring him Pollard in, and maybe you hit him for five, six, seven. You know they were busting some good runs, but maybe that's that's you know game plan of not having uh, Zeke in this particular kind of game might have hurt you the way that Kellen Moore called this game. But uh, you know it, it, that that was that was some difficult uh, that was some difficult difficult sequences that that Kellen Moore took you through, and I, that that fourth down play. That play had absolutely no shot. When you watch the all twenty two, you'll see it has absolutely no shot. Uh they don't have a deep enough route uh by the the drag which was which was uh, gallop underneath. Was you he know,
0: the primary read?
1: I, I think that I think that to me that's where they wanted to throw the ball because they run trips to the right, they go vertical up and then turn back to the inside. And I'm thinking, okay, they're trying to carry defenders away.
0: They're cleared and they're, out.
1: They're clearing it out to draw the drag across the field, and the drag wasn't run deep enough. If if he catches that ball, he's going to be two yards short. He's going to get tackled.
0: Yeah, because he was uh, when you watch when I watched it live, he was running basically along the first down line, and then he had to like dip under the defender, and Dak had seen. It was, like- yeah, that, I look, and I kind and, of moved and, away from that. Yeah. I looked at C.D. C.D. wasn't – I think he maybe, like, from what I saw initially, I think he could have had C.D. if the protection would have lasted a little longer. Yeah,
1: the problem was that your left guard and left tackle got beat pretty quick. And there was really not – if one of those guys get beat, maybe you have a chance for him to run forward and maybe run for the first down. But when both guys get beat, it was that was a difficult – that was difficult for Which, him to have to do I've that. seen
0: a lot of people ask that on social media today. A lot of people yeah. have asked. And so you're saying – because people have said, could Dak have gone for the first down or Dak should have – you're saying no chance Dak could have gone. I didn't, I didn't
1: think so. I thought the way that the way that, that McGovern and Smith got beat pretty quickly, I think dictated all that Dak could do to try and get forward in the pocket.
0: You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian. So we've touched on the quarterback. Boy, quarterback passing game. That took up the whole first segment there, but I, I think it was necessary to dive into that. Let's take a look at the other areas, what may have been good, you know, what what few things we can highlight and and what was really bad and, and really frustrating about this game. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our great partner here at Love of the Star. It is Boomer jacks You know, we we've got to get out to Boomer Jacks sometimes. And I mean, I'm out there enough already, but we got to get out there and and shake some hands with you guys. I bet, I bet we'll have something coming pretty soon. Y'all, y'all keep your eyes peeled because we really need to go out there and, and meet up with you guys. Uh, because Boomer Jacks is the spot. And so if you're looking for happy hour with the coworkers, a place to have dinner with the fam, or you know, somewhere to catch up with your two favorite podcast hosts, Boomer Jacks is the place, man. You got drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer. And Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the time to go if you are a big fan of Wings. Tuesday, it's half-price traditional bone-in Wings. Wednesday is half-price boneless wings. But whatever your fancy is, they've got you set up at Boomer Jacks. Great appetizers, great food, wall-to-wall TVs, live music. Just a wonderful atmosphere. You're going to want to go to Boomer Jacks for whatever you're looking for. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian. This uh, this game was it was a lot more than just the, the passing game and then the issues that you ran into there. Uh, I, I think... A big part of this one the, the, that Cowboys fans are feeling coming out of this game is their confidence in this defensive unit, which has been the the heart and soul of this football team's 6-2 and two start leading into this game. Uh, their confidence feels kind of shaken in this defensive unit because the running game had always been a little leaky, and it, it was really leaking yesterday. Um, but yesterday you also saw the passing game really started taking some hits too, and that's when it becomes a little scary. Um your, your thoughts just on, on the running game, Aaron Jones once again abuses this Cowboys team like he has done something. Aaron Jones is quickly shooting up the list of just consistent Cowboy killers. This is three games that he's played now, and he just, he bullies them every single time, but A.J. Dillon was really good. What, what were your thoughts in general on the run defense, and is this something that can actually be fixed? Uh,
1: I don't know necessarily it could be fixed with personnel. Um, we'll see, you know, there were some inactives with Golston might be a little bit better run player than what you have, uh, you know, with some of the other defensive ends that were, you know, involved in the game yesterday. Um, it, it was clear that they brought extra defensive ends in, thinking that Micah Parsons was going to have to play linebacker quite a bit in this game, and that's what he did. Yeah. Um, the The issues on run game though, Bob, when you watch the all twenty two, is that Dan Quinn now is in a mode where he's not playing straight up. You know, there's always a little bit of movement to defensive lines. And I mean movement in the way of slants and twists and things like that to kind of, you know, take advantage so you don't have to really go toe-to-toe with offensive lines. And, you know, one of the major things, though, that happen is when you run stunts, Everybody's responsible for getting either the twist to the gap or getting to their spot to the other side. And on the they mentioned Jones's touchdown run, where he went into the end zone backwards, really untouched.
0: Yeah, ran into a wide open hole in the middle. Yeah,
1: what happened there was that you've got Bohanna and Fowler are to the right side, defense's right side the ball was run to the Packers left, which would be at that. Now they stunt. Bohanna goes outside and Fowler never comes back inside. So they're running a double twist to both sides.
0: and It it, it looked like Fowler didn't know the call. Fowler Fowler
1: stayed wide. Bohanna's wide. So you naturally have this gaping hole off the right side of the Cowboys defense. Now... If you're going to run twist stunts and games and stuff like that, you have to execute the call. And they had several times yesterday where the execution of the call wasn't very good. Now, the Packers did a great job of blocking, uh, but the Cowboys helped them along the way with some of the, the stunts that they had that they couldn't execute. They overran at uh, linebacker, a couple of cutbacks that were made for some good yards. They didn't tackle particularly well. We saw the long run late in the game where uh, you know they had a chance to, uh, or the defensive tackle had a chance to you know, you know knock Jones down, and yeah. and he you know couldn't make the play. Uh, so you know those are the those are the things that when you're when you're looking at this team and you're wondering why they doing such a poor job. There's some scheme issues that guys not playing the, the techniques or playing the scheme, but they're also physically getting beat at the point of attack. You know, guys like Armstrong and Fowler, Basham, those guys are getting hooked. Those guys are getting washed. Those guys are getting knocked inside linebackers late to get over and, and cover for uh, for an end uh, that gets, you know, crashed down inside or uh safeties or corners. We've talked about this a bunch. You know, the one guy that seems to understand how to play forward, you know, was uh your your you know your guy from Kentucky, your corner that came in late in the game, oh, yeah. Kelvin Joseph. You know, Kelvin Kelvin came into the game and you know he's he's a physical player on special teams.
0: Kelvin will play the run.
1: And Kelvin will play the run. Yeah. And that's the thing about it is where Brown and Diggs don't play the run particularly well. They just don't. And it's a problem. Because when you get a when you get a captured edge and then no forced corner, then you're going to have success running the ball in the perimeter. And and Kelvin Joseph is willing to come forward, bland willing to come forward, but not nearly enough. You know, they they took advantage of guys like Diggs being out there and you know, Diggs is going to retreat. Diggs is going to keep wide. Diggs is not interested in playing as a force corner. You know, and that's that's a little bit of an issue that they've had, that they get that edge captured, they don't get the linebacker over quick enough. There's not a downhill safety there. And then all of a sudden, uh, even if they do get guys there, they overrun the play. And now the ball comes back behind the guys overrunning whether, you know, they ran the ball at Parsons a couple of times, and he just he didn't do a very good job of of taking on the block and getting off the block. There was a couple of times where he played a little hero ball, and people are going to listen to this broadcast, and they're going to go, Broadus, you're just being a hater right now. If you watch the All-22, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a flow linebacker, you cannot run behind a block. You can't do it. With the ball coming to the front side, you got to fight the block with your hands, stay front side, and make the tackle, which he's very capable of doing but there's a couple of times where he went back door on blockers and if you go back door on these backs that they have that the Cowboys have been playing the last several weeks you're not going to make the tackle you know nope. you can you can maybe do that against Indiana and Michigan State and you know Purdue but you're got these legitimate NFL running backs and you try and go back door on a block uh you're likely to be late to the play
0: yeah, and I mean, even even when he flows outside, there were times yesterday where he just like he wasn't getting off blocks. He was no, he and he overran. He
1: overran stuff yeah, too. Yeah, he, he wasn't working for the, the
0: trash the- very well. It just it, oh. it didn't work out for him. It was not a great game for Micah Parsons. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. A couple little points here. You mentioning, uh, Diggs obviously contributes to that soft quarter, those soft perimeters.
1: He encourages it.
0: He does. Is there Diggs? Pretty much primarily will play the right side of the defense on corner. And and DeMarcus Lawrence is typically on the left side of the defensive line. Would it help at all if you just flip Diggs over to the side that Lawrence is on to just balance it a little bit, since you've got Diggs on generally the side where you've also got Basham and Armstrong and Fowler, and they're consistently having issues?
1: That's not a bad idea. I mean, Lawrence, Lawrence is your best run defender. He, he had a couple of them where – he wasn't great, but he knows how to fight across the face of the blocker. And even if he's a little late, he's at least going in the direction. He's not letting these he tight made ends. Play. Yeah. He makes plays. Yeah. He knows how to knife down inside. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to cut across a guy's face, you know, and fight across and, and make a tackle. And, you know, the problem is that Basham and Armstrong and, and Fowler and those guys, that doesn't always happen. You know, that doesn't always happen on the other end. But to your point, playing digs on the side with uh, with uh, with tank, you know, might be something you have to consider.
0: Now, I'm I'm curious again, you mentioning their Fowler, Armstrong, Basham, which Basham just coming back may maybe get he had that happen a little bit last year. Last year, he would get washed early in the season. Second half of the season, he was better. Maybe there's just a he's coming back off of injury. I I won't be as hard on him. He played eight plays, but I I mean, still, he's had a history of having issues like that before. But when you mentioned Fowler, Armstrong, Basham, look at the the younger guys behind them. Is Is there, would you say definitively at this point, you would trust Sam Williams and Chauncey Golston more on that edge to play the run than those three veterans?
1: I don't know. That's, I, I want to believe Sam Williams. No, is- no. I want to believe that. Yes, I want to believe that they will. Those kids will try to play the technique. You know, if there's a twist stunt with Bohanna, you know that you have to execute. I would guess that that those kids would try and work inside and twist and be right where the ball came. Yeah, I mean that's I I I really do like Sam Williams. I like him a lot. You know, i I like Clark a lot. What did Clark play? What seven plays in that game yeah, yesterday? He
0: much. I, I think that's I think that's because I think they freaked themselves out a little bit with how much they had to play and when Barr went down against Chicago. Sure. I, don't, I don't think sure. they ever wanted to play him thirty three snaps on defense like they did against Chicago. I'll
1: tell you what, you might need the kid to go out there you and play a lot to. more. Yeah, yeah, you might have to.
0: Which is that is that is that a defense that may like should we see more of? Look, D law on the left end. Right end, maybe you go with a heavier rotation of Golston and uh, Williams. Yeah, um, you play Hankins, Bohanna, some bigger guys in the interior. You put the interior
1: the of the line is not the problem.
0: No, they've been they've been fine. Matter
1: yeah, that's fact. Matter of fact, on Tank's strip sack, yeah, that he had. I mean, you talk about Hankins with a push. I mean, he drove the guard right back into Aaron Rodgers' lap, and you know now he's trying to fall on the ball and all that stuff, but. Man, there was the the interior of your defensive line is not the issue. It's what's going on on the edge that that's been the and the edge, the linebacker, and what's happening at corner. That those have been your issues in the run game.
0: So let me throw out. I'm going to throw out a couple potential solutions to you. You tell me if you think these are feasible and if they're worth exploring. We we just kind of mentioned them here. Play Trayvon Diggs over on the left side of the defense instead of the right corner. Flip Joseph and Diggs, especially if Anthony Brown's out for any amount of time. He's in concussion protocol. But sure. basically, flip Joseph and Diggs, so you've got some Diggs cover with Lawrence. The ends, you play a heavier rotation of Golston and Williams at right end, yeah. who I think are going to do better against the run than Fowler, Basham, and Armstrong. I agree. And you get Clark more reps in there. Along, I, the I abso-
1: absolutely, yeah. I
0: think I, I think those are personnel options worth exploring at this
1: point. Yeah, it, because no, you know, uh, you know. Vita Vea is not going to come walking through the door. And, no. you know, these guys, these guys that play, you know, Demarcus Lawrence or excuse me, Demarcus Ware and those guys aren't going to come walking through the door to save you on run defense. You got to figure out things scheme-wise with the guys you got.
0: Now, on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys run game. Um, you had a really impressive performance from Tony Pollard, who played 70 snaps or whatever it was. Uh, got, got five yards of carry on 22 carries looked really impressive. Malik Davis got a handful of carries there. He looked really impressive. If there's some, uh, positive, I, I would say the most consistent positive thing we saw all night from the Cowboys was their running game.
1: Well, if it wasn't for holding and lining up off sides late in that football game, I think you win that game. Just keep yep. running the football. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just going to keep running, keep running, keep running, and then running in. You know, the the Packers really didn't have much of an answer. The only thing they had answer wise was you getting a holding call and then you not lining up right. That big gain negated with a holding call, big gain negated with lining up offsides. And so you wonder, and people go, well, why isn't, you know, why isn't Tolbert
0: playing more? There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that, it's, that you. it's,
1: it's, you know,
0: it's which, which it, Mike McCarthy referenced it. He said, yeah. I hear people say it. Why are you putting this kid in there at overtime? Mike McCarthy knows what people are saying. And cool. I think if I could do that over, they don't put him in there at overtime.
1: Yeah, I but you know, but you got guys that are banged up. I mean, Noah Brown looked banged up. Uh, CD uh, played his ass off. I felt like, uh, you know, Gallup is kind of banged up still. You know, he, there was time that he had to go to the tent, sat out for part of the game. You know, they, they're they trying to get a rotation, but you don't expect a receiver to go out there and line up offsides. I mean, he literally was off sides by alignment just when he went out and lined up. I mean, you're and and I'm in the studio and I'm just yelling at Zach. I go, he's get back, get back, get back, you're offsides, get back, get back. You know, and by the time then the ball snapped, and I'm like, and I see the flag. Zach goes, What happened? I go, I go, Tolbert's offsides. Tolbert just lined up offsides and you know, and then it it negates a nine yard gain. You know, and you and I said it yesterday, Bobby. I know you were listening on the bus when you were going to the airport, the Austin Schraubel Airport yesterday. That that this team hates prosperity. It just hates it. It hates anything that they get a little bit of an advantage of. You know, it they hate. You know, they hate having a lead. They hate having. You know. Uh, the ability to drive the football they hate these things they want to make things as difficult as possible for themselves yep. you know coming coming back from penalties the you know the grounding penalty and stuff they came back from that you know there's things that they've come back from but they just they can't help themselves you know just and I'll say this about Pollard and and Malik Davis you know should have ran the ball even more. I mean, if you you put Malik Davis in there and run the ball. I mean, if you're worried about carries for Pollard, fine, I get it. But put Malik Davis in there, let him run. I mean, he had some really, really good positive runs. Yeah. You know? and, and that's that's how that game needed to be killed, you know. And instead, you go three and out, and you know, you, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's it's it was really hard to watch there late in that game.
0: Another positive note, just from the running game. I know. We we haven't been able to see the screen game hit yet this year. I know you mentioned that on the last podcast, but on the running front, I feel like this was the first game this year where they seem to have a lot of success with the draw plays.
1: Oh, it was great! Yeah,
0: they hit hit like three or four really big games on draw plays that I, I thought that that was really. Do you think that's a function just your opponent and Green Bay and taking advantage of something, or do you think that's something that they're figuring out in their schematics?
1: I think they're figuring it out in schematics. I really, really do. So you know, I'm kind of a, uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that really, really believes that, uh, you know, that you need to come up with more creative ways of kind of moving the football and the and nothing wrong with the draw. I wish they'd get the screen game going for sure.
0: And that's it. they tried a couple of them again last night. Didn't really work. They they did get a essentially a quick screen going after the Tolbert penalty. That erased the nine yard gain. They then threw a quick one out to Pollard where they had Ooh. some good blocking, some trips up front that he picked up nine uh, and got it back. But overall, it's just, it's been way too inconsistent. You're listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, that's uh, enough lamenting what was a, uh, a really brutal loss to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Uh, we, we now do need to turn something a little more positive, and that's our favorite segment of the show. It's the listener mailbag where we turn over our content to you, our dear listeners, and uh, let you ask us the questions. Before we do that, I need to say thank you once again to our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks because Brian and I both love them. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are particularly special days for Boomer Jacks. If you're a big fan of wings, because at Boomer Jacks, they've got half rice bone in wings on Tuesday, half rice boneless wings on Wednesday, but they got stuff for you every other day of the week, too. They've got three drink special starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, wall to wall TVs, live music. It's just an incredible atmosphere. Great appetizers, great entrees. Uh, You really can't beat it. Uh, Great. Freezing cold beer. Honestly, the coldest beer you will ever taste is at your local Boomer Jacks. And there are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, first question here from Connor, uh, a guy we just talked about a little bit, Malik Davis. He says, based on the little we've seen from Malik Davis, Zeke's contract situation, and Pollard do a contract, how comfortable would you be going into 2023 with Davis and a day three running back as the duo? For the Cowboys in 2023.
1: Yeah, I, I think the th- one thing that Malik Davis has proven that you can you can count on him. Now, I mentioned about the screen pass, it's unfortunate, but you know, the guy does have the ability to catch the football. Uh they, they've been on him from the word go, you know, at Florida didn't play a whole lot split time and you know, with with other backs, very talented backs there. We were but, all on yeah, but I mean they, they you know, Malik has, has done a really, really nice job. And, you know, if, it, if it's one of those things where you can function with him as a, a runner, a, a receiver, pass blocker, and then draft somebody else that you kind of feel like has the same kind of, you know, the, the same mode of what you have with a, with a Pollard. I, I don't I don't I don't think that's a problem at all. I think in this day and age, we're seeing that a lot of these running backs from college, you know, they don't have to be first round running backs, you know. It's it's nice to have guys like that and you know but you know, with you have to pay and and you know take care of salary wise you know having backs kind of taking them using them using them up moving on to the next guy uh, that's that's kind of the way the football is going now we might get back into mode too Bobby where all of a sudden all these teams are just you know they're not letting you throw the ball like you once were right and so it might turn into offensive linemen and running backs again. We might this cycle might come back to where, you know, you have to have big time backs that can come in here and carry the workload or, you know, people can still continue to figure it out for, uh you know, for the, uh, you know, using two guys or three guys in, in that rotation.
0: It's it's funny you mentioned that I uh, I was talking to somebody uh, in in league circles who who works in personnel a couple of years ago, and they were talking about the fact that look at the. Look at the the type of players we're we're putting out in this day and age. Like like look at what linebackers have evolved into in the NFL. You get a bunch of two hundred twenty pound, two hundred twenty five pound like tweener types that can play a safety linebacker combo. They they run a Kirkland Greg Lloyd type of players anymore. Um, and they, they were explaining that, look, football cyclical. And and as soon as you get these linebackers and they've all evolved into this, there's going to reach a point here in the near future where teams go, let's go back to 320 pound offensive linemen and only running backs. And we will just maul these guys who are a hundred pounds lighter at the second level. And I, I think that, you, you may start seeing that transition pretty soon. But it was just an interesting perspective because I think you are starting to see, especially this year with scoring down and everything else, teams are starting to try and take away the pass a lot more. And, and you're seeing teams have to rely more on the running game and have success with the running game again. Uh, and so it's just an interesting thing to watch out for in, in the future. But, but on Malik Davis, one of the things I know they love about him, he's a complete player. He is. Well, he can pass protect. He can yeah. run. I, I think they really like just how – He's maybe not elite at any one trade, but he is solid across the board. He is a complete yeah. back, and I think that's something they really like about him. Uh, next question here from David, and Brian, I know you've uh, you've had the scoop on this. Uh, they're asking about when is a realistic possible return game for Tyron?
1: Yeah, uh, he's starting to work back into uh, the you know, with the resistance bands and things like that.
0: Yep, so I'm. Gonna I, last week.
1: I, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to say that by the, um, I know the plan was to try and get him work in the Indianapolis game and then get him ready for the Houston game. That's okay. that's kind of uh, the first of December. Yep, uh, we're going to get through these next uh, next two games, and then once the calendar flips, once you go to that that mini buy, then the following week, I that I was hearing it was Colts. Is it is it Colts Houston? Colts, yeah, Colts and then Texans. So I would I would keep an eye on that uh that that Colts week for sure.
0: And when he comes back, uh obviously this is something that evolves day by day. And I know we're 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 terrible at predicting what they're gonna do on the offensive line. Uh we did hear today Jason Peters, who didn't play a single snap at left guard, they've decided to move him back to left tackle exclusively now. Yeah. The fact that he's moving back to tackle, do you think that's an indication that well, he's going to be Tyron's backup because we're moving Tyler into left guard when Tyron's back.
1: I'd say it's a pretty, pretty damn good indication about what they're about to do. Yes.
0: Next question here from Chandler Johnson. Uh, I think fans and media see the Anthony Brown problem. What will it take for the front office to see it? I'll say this, and then I'll you know I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this too, Brian. I think that Anthony Brown has not been great this year. Anthony yeah. Brown has had his problems this year. Sure. I think the idea that Anthony Brown's just been a black hole is an exaggeration, and I think you saw, even though he got beat on on the touchdown to Christian Watson, I think you saw as soon as he went out, uh, it got a lot worse. And so, while I don't think Anthony Brown's been anywhere near great, I, I think it's I think he's still better and more reliable overall than what you have behind him.
1: Yeah, um, to me, you saw a little bit of what you know we. I think we all cheerlead for Duron Bland. I think we all cheerlead for Kelvin Joseph. I, I think Kelvin Joseph, he looks like he's having fun playing football. The kid's aggressive. I give him credit for that. Hell, he almost saved the damn game, knocking the ball.
0: He doesn't. You know, he I, doesn't have an effort problem at all. He, no, he does. His, his phone runs hot.
1: He he really plays hard, and you know I, I I'm I'm willing to keep giving him chances if it is, that's the case. But the thing with Anthony Brown, boy, I I'll admit this. I was really wrong. I, I thought that Anthony Brown was going to step up and have a great year. I mean, a great year, a four to five interception, uh, a season kind of a year, uh, knock down a bunch of passes. He looks like the shell of himself, you know, and, you know, he, he, he gets the concussion. I believe what falling on the ground, you know, maybe hitting his head and his face on the ground after, you know, diving to try and stop Watson there. You know, and so he's out of the game. But if you ask me of guys that him and Dorrance Armstrong were two guys I thought were really going to, you know, do a great job and and be super, super productive. And Armstrong's been okay. You know, the sack numbers have been good. He's played well at times. But and Anthony Brown has, has, has not been as good for me as I thought he would be.
0: Next question here uh, from Tweeter Ty. Uh, is Diggs that good or others that bad? Or is it a combo? Did Diggs even get targeted against Green Bay? Uh, we've talked about OBJ. Is there any cornerback help on the streets? I I, I haven't got to watch I watched back some of the film today. I've not gotten to finish the second half yet. I thought Diggs looked I thought digs looked okay. I think they were yeah. picking the other guys. They were. But Diggs has been solid for the most part.
1: They, he they just had, doesn't want to play the run like he, he needs doesn't. to. Yeah.
0: He does They had major problems on the left side, though. Brian, I know I mentioned this. We didn't get a chance. To, I didn't get a chance to ask you if you saw it. Did you see the blown coverage on the Sam Williams sack? Yeah, I did. Boy, For if Sam one. Williams does not sack Aaron Rodgers there, they no. score. Yeah. The, the 83, I don't even know who it was. I read his name. I had to look in the the media guide to see his name. Um Man, he had gotten – there was some miscommunication. I think it was Deron Bland and Kelvin Joseph had some miscommunication, and they were both taking the guy in the slot.
1: Yeah. And this
0: guy just ran free down the left sideline. I think Lazard may have been open there too on that play.
1: Lazard was open for sure, yeah.
0: And so Lazard – you had two guys wide open that if Sam Williams doesn't get there, that's another six on the board, I think, for Green Bay. Um, But overall, I think – yeah, Diggs, I think, was playing really well. They just – they had a ton of problems on the left side of the defense and coverage yesterday. They sure did, yeah. Next question here from Brent Stinson. In fact, uh, probably last question here. Uh, How does Dallas neutralize the noise of U.S. Bank Stadium? That's where uh, the Vikings play. And will this affect their pass protection going on a silent count? This is a good question because they've struggled a lot with communication. um, And it's something that they've talked about during the week of, hey, we need to make sure our communication's on point. And then, of course, they get out there and and we're seeing communication issues. Uh, So, Brian, how much? How much more is that going to be something that needs to be a focus? Their communication, knowing they're going into a very loud atmosphere in Minnesota.
1: Played there last year, right? Uh, yep.
0: So they have won three in
1: a row there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of folks uh, understand that playing there in the old Metrodome; those are hard places to to play. The crowd noise is very similar to what you get at Kansas City. Very loud. Uh, a lot of lot of fan involvement there, and they're very passionate fans, and they're playing very well. And so that'll be a, a very, very difficult task. You know, the thing with Dak, it's going to be, once again, silent counts. It's going to be Zach Martin, you know, uh, waving his hand in front of the to snap the ball and stuff like that. So, you know, the one thing that the Vikings have had problems with is playing pass defense. You know, they really, as a defense, they've struggled a little bit there. Uh, so, you know, maybe Prescott – Uh, this passing attack can take an advantage. I'm looking forward to seeing the film, Uh, you know, uh, tomorrow night get kind of digging in on these guys a little bit and seeing where, because they've, they've had some problems. I know that yesterday against Buffalo, uh, they gave up some big yards, but they also made some big plays in the red zone. You know, the the two interceptions that, uh, that they were able to, to, to get, uh, I think were, you know, clearly were the difference in that game. But yeah, they they've they've given up the, they they don't rush the passers well, you know Smith, you know, who left the Packers, uh, is the primary pass rusher. But you know they they've struggled a little bit with teams being able to throw the ball on him. So uh, you know the Cowboys, if you could get the silent count stuff right, you get the communication right, you get the hand signals right, everything you need to go, uh, well then you know they should be fine in this game.
0: A lot of good memories for C.D. Lamb already at uh, on the road against the Vikings. Rookie year, he had the falling backwards, one-handed catch onto his back on, on the back shoulder there, and then last year, six catches, 112 yards. In fact, interestingly enough, C.D. Lamb has played two games in his career. This will be the first time he plays in Minnesota with Dak Prescott, who's been hurt uh, both times that they've gone there the last few years. That does it for us here on Love the Star. We will visit with you guys again later this week, start previewing the Minnesota Vikings. Until then, we'll talk to you later.